too deep for you, but a little old-fashioned, but whatever. So you all know what I'm talking about, though. As Paul would say, I use great plainness of speech. So y'all don't go out of here confusing it. What does she talk about? You know what I talk about by the time we're done, right? <clears throat> okay. So anywho, uh, <laughs> but this is, this is our quest in the earth is to please God. I don't care what you do. That must always be in the forefront of your thinking. Is this pleasing to God? Now, after a season, you begin to walk with the Spirit, and you get a sense of the flow of the Spirit, so you walk with a witness on the inside of you. You know, you don't have to stop at every decision and say, what would Jesus do? You understand what I'm saying? You you know you're being led by the Holy Spirit, and then you have a, a confidence, you have a peace, you have a faith. You have a settling inside of you that what you're doing is pleasing to God. And so that's how God wants us to live in harmony, fellowship with him, uh, 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 agreement with him, uh, just, uh, you know, walking as though we are one. Amen. And so this is the good thing about God. He makes it easy for us to know when we are pleasing to him and when what we're doing, thinking, whatever planning is pleasing to him. So we talked about the fact that we we all are dealt a measure of faith. We're told not to think more highly about ourselves and our faith than we ought to think. You know, I know sometimes people get in a defensive posture about their faith. And this is something you want to try and avoid. Having to feel that when people question your faith, you gotta, you know, you gotta amp up your response to lord it over them. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, people sometimes will question decisions you make. Do you have to do this? Do you have to do that? And, and your response should be, you know, I choose to because it's pleasing to God. You know, keep yourself on a normal, humble level. But many times people, when they're challenged, they feel like they've got to defend themselves and pop it up and and hit them over the head with it. You know, well, if your faith was as good as mine, you'd have what I got, you know. And that attitude is very pervasive in Christianity. There's this sense of of a big I, little you, my faith is bigger than yours because look what I got in my garage. Or my faith is bigger than yours and, and, you know, all this kind of putting a different spin of value on faith than God gave. When Jesus would talk to people about the different types of faith they would have, he was speaking in terms of how they used it. And whether or not they used it, you know, when the disciples, when he was teaching on um, the parable of the seed and the sower, he said, take no thought. Don't try to work it yourself. He said, take no thought for certain things. He said, because the father knows what you have need of. But if you do take thought for them, you know better than you were when I found you. See, this is what the heathen do. They're always worried about. So, so Jesus is, is telling people, and, and he, said to, he said this at the end. He said, take no thought. And he said, in your, in your life worth more than what you wear at eat, oh, ye of little faith. See, it takes very little faith to believe God for provision. So if you're basing your great faith on what you possess naturally, you're really in little faith and don't know it. 
Great faith is what it takes to believe when there's nothing on the table, nothing in the cupboard, nothing at the door. And it shows up anyway. It needs no natural evidence. Great faith is, is believing that if you just obey God and you do your prayer, pretty soon your city's changed for God. See, you do that over a long period of time and little by little that mountain moves. That's great faith right there. When Jesus talked to the woman that wanted her daughter healed, he kept telling her no, 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 no. She said, listen, if I'm a dog, give me the crumbs off the table. He said, whoa, great is your faith. You know what I'm, because it met obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and came through with the goods. Great faith is able to meet obstacles. It's not, it's not meeting your checkbook with my request. See, a lot of times people with goods live on a, such a carnal level and want to talk about how great their faith is by what they drive and how big their mansion is. Well, listen, if you're a preacher and you've, you've got a thousand people in your congregation, you can get a mansion easy. All you got to do is count heads, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, and figure out how you're going to convince them to give it to you. You get on television, you get on there, start selling books. Before you know it, you're a million seller. And they just heard the sermon yesterday, but they buy your book anyway. To anywho, that was my beginning. Oh, hi, everybody streaming live. Hi, Poppy. Are you there? Sorry. I'm usually more polite than this, aren't I? I start out apologizing. Here I am. Just want to say hi, everybody in Detroit, everybody on the Internet. Hello. (laughs) Yes, we'll get to it. Sorry. I started out late, so i got to make up, huh? But but this is the thing about faith. God has dealt to every man the measure. You have enough faith to accomplish everything you need throughout your life. You don't need to borrow any from anybody. Now, you can take advantage of God's laws that will help you to get your uh, things accomplished in a, in a um, I guess you could say, a more stress-free manner. The prayer of agreement is one of the ones that we use constantly in this ministry. Because that prayer of agreement, will God honors that. He says, if any two of you can get along long enough to agree on something, I'll do it for you. That's pretty much the essence of what he's saying. Because he knows people are hard-headed. He knows they're prideful. He knows they lie when they get a prayer request. He knows all that stuff. So he says, if any of y'all can be honest enough with one another, tell each other what you need, huh, and agree on that. He said, I'll do it. It's automatic. It's done. Amen. And so God feels very strongly about our being successful and also our getting into the habit of sharing our faith with another. Not beating each over the head with it, but sharing our faith with one another. So that if you're a person of great faith, you can mix yours with whatever I have and God says he'll do it for you automatically. There's never any doubt as to whether God will come through. So sometimes when the enemy tries to beat you over the head about your faith and, and how little you do with it. That's what he's all. What, who you think you are? You think God going to give you that? Yeah, he will. Because I just agreed with my prayer partner who was snoring at the other end of the phone. But I know her spirit was alive. 
you know, whatever you need to say to get him off your case. But y'all know what I'm talking about. You're just as shocked as anybody that God gave that to you sometimes. You think, I don't even remember praying for that. Huh? Just a thought. So we said, you know, if you, in order to, to be, to qualify for your assignment, the first thing you have to do is be born again. We talked about that the last time. Fulfill the Great Commission. And that's in Mark 16, 17, and 18. So you have to be spirit-filled, what we call spirit-filled. You have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. God has called us to preach, teach, and heal. Amen? Preach, teach, and heal. Not just preach and teach. You don't even have to be saved to do that. Look at all the infomercials out there and all the uh, motivational people out there. But healing is the evidence that that's, that's where he confirms it with signs following. Amen. That's when you know it's real. Other than that, it's just a blowhard out there. Great swelling words of man's wisdom. I don't care if you've got a congregation of 10,000 people and they up on their they feet screaming the whole time you preach. Amen. Up on your feet screaming is not a sign. God confirms his word because they jump up and scream and love you and buy your books. That's not, that's not what God's looking for in the Great Commission. He's looking for the people who don't come to your church who are out in their homes sick and they can't get a preacher to pray for them. That's, that's the sign he wants you to produce. He wants you to go and, and do something for that person. That's what Jesus did. He never really had a church. He preached everywhere. The Bible says he went to the synagogue out of custom. Yes. Huh? He just was in the habit of going. He never broke the habit. Amen. And it was a tradition to be in the Lord's house on the Sabbath day. But when he got in there, he turned the place upside down. Amen. Literally and spiritually. Anybody that was there that needed healing, he he waited until the Pharisees were looking at him. Not like us. You know, we scared and we scared somebody go throw us out to church if they know there's power there. You know how it is. But he waited until they were around him, and then he taught everybody. This is the way God wants it done. So in order to fulfill your assignment, you must fulfill the Great Commission to preach, teach, and heal. If you're scared of laying hands on people, wait till somebody in your family is asleep. Huh? They'll never know what hit them. Amen? And wake up healed. But you know what I'm saying. You will have an opportunity to pray for a sick person at some point in your life. And don't stop at one time. Amen. Ask God to use you again. God, I like that that person was healed. I like that you healed that person. Use me again. That's all you have to do. Most of us go into shock that God even showed up. Well, he's been living inside of you all the time trying to get out and do something for somebody. Huh? So let him out. God expects a return on his investment of faith in you. He's looking for a return on that investment. And he knows that he can get it. Or he wouldn't have given it to you. Amen. So he knows how to put you in a position to use this faith of his 
so that he can do what he wants to do down here in the earth. So really we are his vessels that carry his power to the whosoevers of the earth. It's available to anybody. You don't have to know somebody's background to know if they can be healed or not. You know, you just pray by unction. We pray by leading. God knows their background. He knows their history. He knows everything. You know, religious people always want to know if you're in sin or as well, are you in sin? I don't know. Well, just go out and do something for God anyway. Let's both get out of where we're at and go do something for God. You understand what I'm saying? And so so it, it becomes a... A hindrance to us, to the free flow of our faith and the free flow of the anointing when we try to guess God's conditions for doing things for people. The condition is your faith must be in operation. You understand what I'm saying? You know, for believers, we've got to live right in order to receive what we need from God. We know that. And we know the righter we live, the more we can get. (laughs) Amen. It's right stuff. Because right stuff comes to people that live right. You don't live right if you go through all the motions of doing everything right. And in your heart, you carry a lot of animosity and fear and resentment and all that kind of stuff. What can live in a dark atmosphere? What, what of light can live in a dark, dark atmosphere? So you go before God. You confess those things. And you ask God to heal you and help you. And start meditating on scriptures that, that get that stuff cleansed out of you so that your faith can flow unhindered. This is for you so your faith can be more usable to God. It's not to make you feel bad you did wrong again. Keep living, you're going to do some more wrong. huh? Keep trying to do right and you'll do wrong. People who don't do anything wrong are just sitting around doing nothing pretty much if you ask me. huh? Before you can get out of the bed good, like this morning, I almost stepped on Coco. Now she's taking the sleeper right up on that little mat in front of where I put my feet down. And I almost stepped on her and tried to say a bad word. You understand? She scared me. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. You know, you catch that bad word and push it back. But, you know, before you, you, and I wasn't looking to do wrong. I'm looking to do right and almost do wrong. So it's we live in a sinful world, folks. Let's not get, think like you're earning points by what you don't do. Let's get out there and do something for God. Let your faith get stirred up. When you live by faith, you're not thinking about doing wrong. You're thinking more about doing something right. You understand what can I do for God? So he wants us to use our faith. Keep it invested in his kingdom. Amen. Your talents are merely a vehicle for your faith. So don't get cutesy about you know, I, I, God called me to do this, and I got this gift, and that gift, and other gift, and all the gift people, you know. Uh, you don't know what gift you have until you start living by faith. You know, and the ones that, that are lying dormant and nobody wants to use, God will use, put those on you and use them too. He can supplement what you have as you have need of it. So let's start using our faith. And let our talents grow. Let our gifts grow. Let them manifest. Let them serve humanity. Let them do what God wants us to do. I can remember people used to count the gifts of the spirit they operated in. And I'm thinking to myself, you ain't done nothing yet. You know, you're sitting up counting gifts of the spirit. And, you know, your brother is over there sick with MS or something like that. Go gift on him. See, go get some faith in it. Go gift on your brother who needs something from you. So we, we are, are automatically then 
transformed by our faith. Our faith transformed us, transforms us from normal average people to people who are supernaturally inclined, people who expect more, expect great things because they're connected to God. And that faith that we put in God, our own faith, our measure of faith that we keep placed in God, allows God then the opportunity to work through us, through our gifts, through our abilities, and to supplement what we don't have with the gifts of the Spirit. And so this is a a wonderful thing that God has uh, constructed for us down here on earth. No more do we have to walk by people and shake our heads and wonder if we can do something to help them. You know, those days are gone forever because we can definitely petition God and we can use our faith to accomplish what needs to be done. If we, let me see what I said here. For an example, let me let me put it this way. God expects a return on his his investment in you. Your talents are merely a vehicle for your faith. For example, if you are a people person, that means very friendly and outgoing. When you place your faith in God, you draw people to him and not you. You understand what I'm saying? When your faith is always placed in God, you draw people toward God and not you. So he's just using your natural ease with people to bring them to you so that he can minister to them through you some things that you may not even be aware those people need. Sometimes it is a kind word. Sometimes it is a a compliment maybe on what they wear, how they look or something like that. Sometimes it's something of that nature. But then again, there may be something deeper that God may want to minister to them and he will use you in a word of knowledge. That you will be, begin to, the conversation will go around and then come into whatever it is that they need. And then God is able to use the faith you placed in him to meet the need of somebody who would not have had that need met had you not used your faith and gone up to them. Amen. In boldness and talk to them. So you draw people to him and not you. This is a maximum return because God's purpose is established. So, you know, at some point you step aside by your faith and then the spirit of Christ steps out of you and begins to minister with all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding, all power. There's never lack in God. So just be confident that when God uses you, you open your mouth and he begins to fill it with words. You are doing the best job anybody could do in that circumstance. Okay, you're never lacking. You never don't ever go away and say, I wish I could have said, see, that's the devil. See, there's always the devil because his grace is sufficient for everything that we do down here. What did you have grace to say? If you didn't have grace to say any more, then there was not any more to say. You got me? And so just leave that with God and say, God, well, I'm I don't feel adequate, but if I messed up, I repent and just get them to the next person who's going to drop the next word on them, you know, something like that. I know many times when you preach And this would happen to me a lot. And I finally realized it was condemnation trying to keep me from feeling confident about what. And I would I would go away and I'd think later, gee, I could have said so and so. And said, well, see, when you reflect, your spirit man can always embellish what what you just said. 
You understand what I'm saying? Maybe it wasn't needed for that group of people that time. And so, but the enemy will bug you about it and you'll say, and God just stopped me one time. He said, if there was somebody there that needed that, I know how to get you to go that direction. He said, I'm the one who helps you preach anyway. You understand what I'm saying? You ain't, in other words, you ain't doing nothing but following me. Amen. And that makes it easy. See, that takes all the responsibility off you for the outcome. And let the outcome be what God intends for you to have for that day. So, all right. So we said, praise God. So God's purpose is established. So this is the maximum return that God gets on your faith because you put your faith in him. And you speak the words that he wants you to speak. Amen. You can be obedient to what he wants you to do. Now, in a learning situation, say, for instance, if you go out witnessing or you go out ministering and you come back and you, you we talk about it. And I, I would do this all the time in Detroit when we would we would have, um, you know, we would go out witnessing and so forth. And people would come back and report on what they had said. There are times when you can minister to people to help them to do a more excellent job. You understand what I'm saying? Just, you know, and I would always tell them, I said, don't do all the talking. You listen some. Amen. Because people have something they want to say. And really, under the anointing is the time when people are most truthful to you. And so you want them to confess. You want them to say what's bothering them. You want them to say whatever it is that God's put on their heart that they need to get off of their chest and confess so that they can move into a greater understanding of God. And so that's usually. So the thing is, my thought was this. It's never that we talk, we leave out anything that we could have said. It's usually we talk too much and we could have listened a little bit more. Amen. And got a little bit more done. It's good to listen also because the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So if you would still yourself and just not say anything, don't have any advice, any anything, then a word of knowledge will come up in your spirit. And you'll be able to say exactly what that person wants and needs and then you'll train your spirit to stay engaged to the spirit of god at all times amen and so that's how god gets maximum return on his measure of faith that he's invested in us as we work for him in the earth so god gets to uh to uh convince another soul to invest their measure of faith in him when you witness to him all we do is share Christ with people. So your measure of faith got invested in God. It's inside of your spirit. You speak out of that measure that he's invested in you. And that measure goes out and impacts another person. Whether it's a sinner to get saved or it's another believer to get a new revelation or understanding or get hope in God to get encouragement in God. When we tell people that, that God wants them well. And that God, you know, let me pray for you because God has, has anointed me to pray for the sick and he heals them. Amen. And would you let me pray for you? If you can just get that much out, usually most people, they're so overwhelmed. I've never heard anybody say that. like that. Well, yeah, pray for me. You know, this, is, this is new. Let me try it. You know, and um, and just allow God to do that. Then you are investing. You're getting the greatest maximum return you can get when you invest that in another individual. If it's to get them saved, they've never been saved before or get them 
them to understand healing so they can live another day and not die. So that they can understand there's hope for them and, and not give up and not be discouraged. Whatever it is, your faith is invested in that other soul. And that's what God wants us to do. See, that's what he's after. That's why he commands us to love one another. Haters don't win souls. Huh? They don't win souls. They don't, they don't win much of anything. You understand what I'm saying? Now, they might get into some witchcraft and do some stuff that away. You know, your hate will take you a long way in the dark kingdom. But I'm talking about in God's kingdom. You know, if, if you will commit to love, you know, don't hold grudges. Don't, don't be so important that you don't like people no more. Huh? Quit being a legend in your own mind. Huh? huh? Thank you very much. You know, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to hype yourself up to be happy in this life. You humble yourself so that let your greatest joy be doing what God wants you to do. Let your greatest joy be impacting somebody for God's kingdom. Amen? So, God wants us to invest our measure in him so that he can win a soul with it. He can encourage somebody and give somebody hope. Give somebody confidence in him. Take them another day. Sometimes you don't know people are at their wit's end. They don't know how desperate they are sometimes. But if we will take that small amount of time to be open to God's leading, to share Christ with somebody, share what you know about God with somebody. And don't be sharing fables and fairy tales. Share what you know. Amen. If you don't know anything but God answered a prayer one time 15 years ago, share that. Huh? And and let's move on. Amen. <laughs> so it, he gets to convince another soul to invest their measure of faith in him through your faith. Your talent really was only a way to get the faith known. Amen. Your talent was only a way to get your faith in operation. So it's not your winning people personality that wins souls, folks. If we could grab onto that, you know, because think about the person that doesn't have the winning personality. Can they not win a soul? Are you kidding me? They can win souls. They can win souls. Anybody can. So it's not how you present yourself. You know, are you outgoing? Are you bubbly? Are you vibrant? Are you, you know, all of that? You know, cute folks win souls and ugly folks get their share too. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we all... Even cute people on a bad day ain't so cute. You understand? But it's their faith moving them to the place where God can use it that's most important to God. And it's most important to the earth. Number three in Romans 117, you, uh, you must live in covenant with relationship with God through your faith. So let me find that. I think we might have read that the last time. That we're not to be conformed. To this world, you have a covenant with God to be transformed through renewing your mind. Hmm? I'm sorry, Romans 1.17. Oh yeah, the just shall live by faith, okay? So when you have a covenant with God, you are a justified person. You're justified by the operation of your faith. Amen? Justified means that there's no law against you. You're free. 
Amen. You're free to do whatever God wants you to do. And your faith being used for God is what keeps you in that place of justification. Now, people feel justified means a one-time thing. But you don't live out of just a one experience with God. Amen. You have to walk in that justification at all times. Keeping your conscience clear of any burdens that that sin might put on them or condemnation might put on them but as you you walk in that your faith rises up to the level where it begins to dominate in your life it's not always pushed down by bad thoughts or what i did wrong or what i didn't do or you know i didn't give enough in the offering or i haven't been to church in three weeks all that kind of stuff justified people live by their faith and so if you sin, you confess your sin and let your faith rise up again. You know what I'm saying? You don't stay in a corner somewhere feeling bad about something you did 20 years ago. or 20. Every year that goes by, if you continue to feel bad about it, you have an anniversary. You understand what I'm saying? You celebrate what you did wrong in your life. Well, you can't live like that. The blood of Jesus was was shed for you not to live like that. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I know a lot of times we think, well, sin is so bad. How could God forgive us? But he does forgive you. Amen. He does forgive you. Why? He's a faithful creator. He'd rather have you forgiven and get up and go make some more mistakes and get forgiven again than sitting around feeling bad because of something you did. You understand what I'm saying? Like you're the only person that makes mistakes in in this world. He shed his blood for you so you don't have to feel bad the rest of your life. You understand what I'm saying? That's why all he expects for you is to correct that. Huh? That's funny. I was sitting there watching Donald Trump. I said, man, if that man gets to be president, I can't watch no more his speeches. Because his speech is all over the place. I don't know who writes his material, but man, he all over. Look at my family. They're a wonderful family. And oh, yeah, I know her. She's a great person. And you know how he embellishes things. But, but uh, oh, yeah, somebody asked him this. He was talking. They were talking about his religious beliefs and so and i'm not laughing about that but you know it's just of all the things to want to talk about but anyway he he gave some very simple explanations about things you know and he said uh this guy said well have you ever he he said where do you what do you do you know he said i i go to uh lutheran or episcopal church one or two he said and i i like communion i feel cleansed you know, I'm thinking he's way ahead of a lot of people that take it the first Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, let me listen some more. So the guy kept priest pressing him if you ever ask for forgiveness. Uh, you ever ask forgiveness. And he goes, you know what I do? When I find out I'm wrong, I say I'm going to make it right. <laughs> I'm thinking this repentance. This is better than a lot of Christians do, you know, to take communion once a month. <laughs> but, you know, that's what it's for. That's what repentance is. I'm going to do better the next time. Amen. And I'm not going to wallow in this. I'm going to let this be the first, the last, the only time I do this. And I'm going to do better next time. That's what it is. That's what it's about. 
<laughs> I don't know, maybe how to make a tape or something to pass it around. But I thought that's pretty good for somebody who's, we're not sure what his understanding of salvation and forgiveness and all that kind of stuff is. But he has some kind of understanding because he, he wants to be cleansed and feel better. And he wants to do better. And isn't that the essence of Christianity? And we get cleansed so we, we know we're better, we're in right relationship with God, and we commit to do better the next time. But the just shall live by his faith. In Habakkuk 2, 4, I think we went over that yesterday. Let me see what it says. That also says the just shall live by his faith. Amen. When he talked about the vision being for an appointed time. That it would come and not tarry. He said, but the just shall live by his faith. And that's what we do. We do day by day. We use our faith in God. And we draw life from God through our faith. We draw encouragement from God. We draw hope from God. We get instruction from God. We do that all through our faith. When you put your confidence in God, you allow him to continually feed you his life. When sometimes when you, you get to a place where you, you know, you maybe you got a, a difficulty paying a bill. That's so common, you know. Things spring up or, or something comes on it unexpected. And, you know, you may sit there and you think about it for a while. I've been in a position where God will give me peace instantly about it. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, then now there was a time where I would just worry and worry and worry and worry. But somehow through through meditation and understanding God, I would grab for a scripture that I knew would cover that, whether I really believed it then or not. Like, my God shall supply all my need. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fear. But But sometimes God will bless me to just give me instant peace about it. It's like, I got this. You know, that's that's the way I he said, no, 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 don't even go. I got this already. I knew this was coming. I have provision for it. And if you stay in my peace, it will come to you. And sure enough, it comes to me. Amen. It'll come to you. And so we have to live when we talk about being justified and living by faith. You're constantly drawing from God's fruit of his spirit that feeds your spirit and keeps you from losing your mind. Keeps you from running out and and making arrangements to pay for something that's not your responsibility to pay. Huh? Now, see, this is what the devil likes to do. He likes, you know, like parents, when you start facing your children, it was bad enough when they was in uh, high school and grade school. You know, send the papers home and you school supplies you know it's got a calculator on there now i got what would you have nola four calculators at one time she had four of everything you know at one time you know nervous and then you start automatically thinking who can i not pay now to to get this and wrong answer huh huh See, if you have your faith, you know, you get your faith out of that piece of paper. That's all it is, a piece of paper. Uh, that's what you need to tell your kids when they come. Mom, I got so much. Ain't nothing but a piece of paper. Uh, that's all it is, a piece of paper. That ain't moving me. I'm not moved today. I put my faith in my God. And you'll find out he got a different source for it. So you're nervous. If you're nervous in kindergarten and grade school, what you going to do when they go to college? 
you've been telling them all them years. You've been telling them 18 years. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. What do you have for me to go, Mama? Uh, I got my faith in God. Got my faith in God. You're going to have to do that even when you set money aside. It's $100,000 a year to send your kids some places, 20, 30, and they don't bite their tongues. Huh? You know, we ought to do we have a college homeschool program. <laughs> Make out our little fake degrees. B-A-M. What you want that in? How you spell your name? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. But if you don't have it right there, that ain't your bill to pay. See, God has a way. But if you go to scheming and plotting and robbing Peter to pay Paul, you're going to be on the street with some of these bills they be sending to you. You can't do that. You That's got to be God's bill. See, that's when you know you justified. Oh, God, I'm your child. And I'm uh, standing here in the need of $40,000 by tomorrow so my Johnny can go to school. Hallelujah. You understand what I'm saying? That's when you pull your faith out. See, that's when you pump it right into God. huh? God, I thought I was trusting you, but I'm doubling down today. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not pulling my faith out of you. If my kid is going to do this, you will provide, and I know you will provide. See, you've got to start living by faith. Living by faith is not scheming and planning and putting off paying this and seeing what you can sell to do that ain't that ain't what god has planned for you i'm real sorry it is not it it is not it even in an emergency you know i mean if you want to have a garage sale cool but that's a lot of work for somebody who don't have no money you know what i'm saying and find all them little things put little tags on them drag it out to the street and drag it back in when they don't buy it and all that. no it's easier to use your faith uh, now now, don't get me wrong. If God tells you, I'm going to help you with this garage sale, and you get out there and do that, and your neighbor's going to buy it like hotcakes, then go do that. But don't you be scheming and trying to figure out how to pay all your stuff yourself. Huh? You know why we do that? Condemnation makes us do that. Huh? We live in continual condemnation. Write it down. Because lack brings with it condemnation. Because we automatically, when something's wrong, we automatically, the first thing you think, what did I do wrong? How did I get here? I, 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 I. The devil wants you to feel condemnation. Because if if you feel condemnation, that means that you're not not sensing that you're justified. You know? Nope. The just shall live by faith. God, I don't know if I messed up. I don't know how I messed up. But I'm asking you to forgive me, and I'm appealing. I say, I plead the blood. Amen. That's my plea. I enter a plea of the blood that was shed for me to not feel condemned and not walk in condemnation and to get your help right now. I'm getting your help right now. See, you'll never survive if you try to do everything right and earn your whatever God gives you. That's just as crazy as your baby trying to earn his bottle of milk and he don't even know how to do nothing. Because that's who we are. We don't know how to do nothing. I don't care how many degrees you have and how wonderful people tell you are. You don't know how to do nothing. Not through this, huh? <laughs> no. 
So the just shall live by faith. That's, that's the only way you have life coming into your spirit. Is, you know, constantly having your faith in God. Amen. You have to trust him on a personal day-to-day level. That's, that's how you do it. Every day, trusting God. Every day, don't leave out acknowledging him. Amen. Whether it's through your time to spend with him in the word or, you know, some people are so busy now they don't open the Bible. You know, you got a, you got a, a, a phone or a tablet or something like that. They have Bibles on there you can download. There's no excuse not, not to be connected to God through his word. And let him talk to you every day. Listen, he has interesting and good things to say to you every day. God has something good to say to his children every day. Amen. You parents, don't you have good things to say to your kids every day? If they'll listen to you. I mean, but you do. You don't come to them with bad news. You don't try to think of something worrisome to tell them. You want to tell them something encouraging so that they can live. Amen. So God has good. Don't be scared to look in that Bible and see what he's got to tell you. Because it's going to be good. Amen. Amen. Even if he just says, hi, where you been all this time? That's good. Better not speaking to you. So we have to trust him on a personal day-to-day level. And there are challenges planned for us for every day to trust him. Amen. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was driving around in my car. And I think about a month ago, um, did I try to start it up? Anyway, no, this was it. I had, I had been starting it up, and it was slow to start. So I told Tone, I said, you know what? I said, why don't you see if I set him up? <laughs> I said, why don't you see if you, what my car sounds like when you start it up? Just start it up for me. And it blew up. I mean, it said, boom. And there was smoke under the hood, and he quick in a hurry put it in neutral and rolled it out of the garage like, get this out of here for the house burns down. You know, great man of paste and flour. So, uh, so after a while, it cooled down. So I said, well, what are we going to do? So a couple of days later, I guess God spoke to him. He went out and cranked it up again. You know, fear left him or whatever. But he decided to go try and crank it up again. And it started. So I told him, I said, Let's get Mike to look at it. I said, he ain't scared of nothing. I said, besides, if he blow up with it, I said, he'll never be missed. <laughs> Me and you will be missed. You know, no. But anyway, he's a mechanic down the street. So we put him, gave him the keys like that. And both of us went in the house. And Mike said, oh, she purrs like a kitten. Oh, that's all I heard was it just purrs like a kitten. And so I thought to myself, I said, well, I thought I would have to buy a starter. I said, but God, I'm not buying no starter. I said, if he can start it, I can start it. So I've been driving my car ever since, you know. Now, listen, the devil, every now and then, the devil will show me a picture of me sitting on the side of the road with my car smoking. But I don't receive it. You got to hear that? Huh? God has spoken on this already. But see, those are things you do day to day to test somebody else's faith. I don't even know if my faith was engaged in. I gave it to Tony and it blew up on him. And Mike said it purred like a kitten, so now I'm driving it. You understand? But these are things you do daily to test your faith. Instead of running to some place and telling somebody to take it apart and find out, we live by faith. And I have a total peace about using my car. Amen. 
So when it's, and I remembered, uh, the Lord reminded me, he said, do you remember when they had to make you get a starter replaced? I would start there and, and just pray in the spirit or wait till God started it up for me. I did that for like four years. Mac made me get it done. I guess I wore him out talking about it or whatever, but but he went and paid for it and sent me a gift. Put a, you know how you paste things in your Christmas card of a picture or something like do this is paid for already, and that's why I got the other starter replaced. And I thought about it. I said, well, if that one went for what, fifteen years, almost twelve years original equipment i said the one that replaced it needs to go longer amen and so we'll just use our faith i'm using my faith for god to take care of me in that see when you put your faith in god he takes care of you you're not taking care of yourself you got me i don't have to any have any ideas except to listen to god when god says it's time to do it that's when i'll move and that's what i'll do it so and i don't live sloppy you know, I'm not just gluing stuff together and, you know, you glue your shoe shoe heel back on when you was in school. Your parents told you you can't get no more new shoes, so you had to repair them shoes and keep rubber band on it, keep it on your foot, all that stuff. That's not what I'm doing, okay? Living by faith is living in God's highest, and I'm not gluing stuff together just to try to keep from spending money. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It's God's money anyway. You understand what he tells me how to spend it and when. So if he tells you he is not using your winning personality today, you don't have to push it. Amen. He won't. He will put it and just put it away and be low key. Some people are one trick ponies. God may want to develop you in different areas, develop different talents, different gifts, different everything. In there, we okay? All right. He, you know, so <clears throat> sometimes there are other gifts and abilities in us that are lying dormant. He wants to bring them to the forefront. And you'll see that you're able to, to do something in a totally different vein that you've never done before. And you'll marvel. You say, wow, how wonderful am I? I didn't even know I could do that. You understand what I'm saying? God has so much in us that if we invest our faith in him and trust him, he will start to bring and develop these other areas in our lives for us to make us enjoy life better. Huh? You won't be so boring to yourself for a change. You understand what I'm saying? You'll think... Boy, this is interesting, God. You mean I could really do that? I never knew I had that ability before. Some of us are doing things that we never thought we'd, we'd do in life. Amen? Never thought we'd do. So God is able to bring those, and, and he wants to bring all of us into our own as far as knowing our capabilities. Most of us have not tapped into, I would say, 30% of our spiritual capability. Mainly because the world isn't ready for a lot of what God has on the inside of, of his bride. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's reserved for a time in the future. So it's at these times that we need to use our measure of faith to trust God and have confidence that God loves us and cares for us still. In the time when the limelight's not on you so much or when he's not using you the same way he used to use you and you got to sit on the shelf for a little bit. You know, you get bored or whatever. But those are the times where you use your faith in a different flow. You use your faith 
for confidence that God's not abandoned you. He still loves you. The relationship is still good. It's just not, it's just his decision not to use you in the same way that he's used you. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we're looking for increase and he's just looking for us to be content. You know, man, if you just had increase all the time in your life, you wouldn't be sitting up in church now. You'd be out somewhere with the increase people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> with the high rollers and all that kind of stuff. So we, we need to understand that. God also needs our faith invested in him so that we can bring heaven down here on earth. That's your main quest is that you want to remove what the enemy's doing and bring heaven down here on earth. When God wants to accomplish his will on earth, he must use the faith of somebody down here. This is very important. He, the Bible says he's a sovereign God. That means he sovereignly chooses whose faith he wants to use. You got me? When Jesus went to feed the 5,000 people, what did he need? He needed somebody's lunch. Amen. He needed a seed to offer up to God so that his faith was attached to something that would honor God. So your faith must be attached to something that will honor God. Now, listen, anybody screaming baby can get a bottle just so the daddy and the mama can can have some peace. So when we're baby Christians, we ah, God, give me this. And it comes, you know. You know, like that. Shut up. I got it for you. But we got a better way now. You, we got the way of faith. Do you look at uh, Israel in the wilderness? That's, was, that was their deal. They screamed for everything. God just shoved it at them. They got tired of manna. Why? Because they had to go and pick it up every day. You imagine that. That little bit of effort they had to do. You know, and they had to live by a rule. Don't get greedy on Monday and try to pick enough for Tuesday so you can lay in the bed and, and starve to death by Wednesday. Because he knew what they would do. If you could store up enough so that you wouldn't have to go work no more, you quit working, period. Amen. And so what he had to do was put them in a discipline of daily expecting God's provision. That's what it's all about. Making daily contact with God, expecting his provision. Come talk to your daddy and tell him, thank you, daddy, for waking me up. I'm going to go out and pick up my manna today, and I'm not going to complain. They even complained about that. Moses told them, don't, don't get that stuff and keep it overnight. Of course, some of them did. And they found out it rotted overnight and it was stinking in the house. So anybody's house you went by, you can tell they cheated on the law. Mm. Levi's house stinking this morning. He probably wouldn't try to get too much manna. Yeah. When they got sick of that, you know, they, they said it, it was like fresh every morning, like fresh uh, bread or something like that. It smelled like um, cilantro. You know what that's? Coriander. That's what it is. And, and uh, cilantro has a, a really a nice, pleasant smell. I mean, there's, you can't find any that's not like some herbs where you smell they're too strong to this. It has a very, very most pleasant smell. Well, that's what it was like every morning they woke up to that. And all they had to do was go out and get some and drink some water, go out and work in the field. It would kept you strong all day long. Are we sick of that? 
Now we want we want meat. So God made them eat quail until it ran out of their noses. You got me? And so that's how he treats us when we're babies and squealing for everything. But he feeds us. You understand what I'm saying? He never not feeds us. But he wants us now to live by faith. He wants you to mature. By faith, you can go out and get anything you want. You don't have to have what's prescribed every day. So if you want steak and you don't want manna for breakfast, you use your faith to go get a steak on your table. He thinks it's a higher way to live. But it's surprising how many people don't like that. They rather scream for something and not trust God every day so their faith can build, so they can have the things that they desire. Faith is for your desires, for what you want, for you, what pleases you. So that's what your faith is for. It's not just for things that God wants you to do. So he wants us to develop our faith so that he can use it to bring heaven down here on earth. Whatever it is that's in heaven that you desire, God's storehouse, we we need that to come into our lives. So we need to know whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. You offer up things with thanksgiving to God, and you use your faith. David said, I won't offer to God that which costs me nothing. If your faith in your praise is a sacrifice, that means it costs you something. Offer that up to God. If things are so bad you don't feel happy and you don't feel like praising God, God offer you the sacrifice of praise. It's so bad down here today, I don't even know what's happening, but I praise you anyhow. And really praise him. Get up and dance until you feel joyful and you, you know that thing lifts off of you. So that measure of faith gets called into action when he needs something down, done down here on earth. That's why he gives you burdens to pray. It doesn't lift until you accomplish what God wants you to do. Sometimes he'll move on you to pray certain things and, and start to organize certain things in your life. And, and you don't feel peace until you pray and get that thing accomplished. And so that's how he calls your faith into action. He just calls it up. Say, I need you to, to, to pray this for me because I want to help these people. You got me? I want to heal this person. I need you to do this for me. And he calls your faith up into action. Then you put your faith and confidence in him. And he will guide you step by step by step by step into the right way that he wants you to go. And it will work. And it will be successful. Now don't, don't think that there won't be obstacles. You know, sometimes you'll start using your faith and wonder. It's not doing anything, God. Did you really tell me to do that? We use it anyway. You know, there's no penalty to using your faith. I'm going to say it again. There's no penalty to using your faith. You know what, sometimes God tells us to do something. We wonder about it for ten years. I wonder if he told me, wonder, wonder, wonder. Well, there's no penalty in using your faith. It's a righteous commodity. How could you go wrong using your faith? Huh? Now, if you're going to hold somebody up, that's something totally different. Which you will do if you don't use your faith. Huh? You wind up up sticking somebody up for something somewhere. Huh? Or dropping a word on them so they know what you need. Oh, you know, come on now, y'all. We, we ain't going to do that no more. We ain't going to do that no more. That's why we have you pray. You pray in pairs because we don't want to know everybody's business, everybody's problem. But somebody sitting there going to think, oh God, maybe you want me to go and, and, and max out my credit card and help them. 
true. So you just pray with your little prayer partner. You get right there with you too. It don't go no further than that because nobody needs to know but him what it is that you need. Amen. When God knows, it'll get taken care of. God works with your needs first, not your wants. He don't put he don't put people in debt to satisfy your wants. God's goal is to reach the earth with his glory. The whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Now, natural faith. How does that work? How much time we got, little Howard? Oh, I can do a lot in 20 minutes. My goodness. I can preach to all of Cleveland in 20 minutes. And Detroit. All right. Your faith investment must be consistently invested in God. And we said not withdrawn and put in the natural. When I say natural, I mean things that your eyes can behold, things that your ear can hear about, and things that will perish with the using. And it's hard to keep that discipline because you have to live by natural faith. Just to stay in this earth. You know what I'm saying? Use natural faith to sit on that chair. You're not supernatural on that chair. You know you know it can hold you. And, and we hope it does. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, you know that's how we measure how we get involved in things in the natural realm. You know your eyes behold them. People in advertising use that all the time. To get in our pockets. Get us in bad health. And everything. They'll put a, a, a McDonald's hamburger on there and make it look so good. And you've just been to McDonald's and you know they hamburgers don't look like that. But you sit up there looking at that and you go out one more time thinking you're going to get that hamburger that you saw on TV. And it's going to be wonderful. Huh? And it's the same little smushed up hamburger. That looks, you know, roll it up and stick it in that bag and throw it out there to you. To you. Them cold french fries. That don't reheat real good. You know all the bad numbers. Red Lobster is another fraud. Yeah I said it. They had the biggest shrimp on television. And you get there and you're like. You got to put the scope. You know the the jeweler scope on that thing. How many cats is this (laughs) shrimp? Huh? You know it's the truth. Skinny as crab legs. Who will take the crab with the skinny legs? <laughs> remember that remember that Joe Tech song? Huh? Come on now. Crabs died of malnutrition, you know, and they brought them on in there. You sticking butter on them and stuff. Thinking you got something wonderful. It's the truth. Mess with us. I'm making a point. Don't go by what your eyes behold. Justified people live by what they see in the Bible, what God speaks to your heart, what he has for you, he has stored up in glory so that he can release it to you at the command of your faith. I'm going to say it again. What he has for you, he has stored in glory so that he can release it at the command of your faith. You know what that really what that really says to me? God values me so much, 
He does not want me going shopping around in somebody else's closet, somebody else's bed, somebody else's house, somebody else's anything for what. He has something set aside for me that's uniquely for me, that he planned for me, he crafted for me, he designed for me. Because he made me and he knows what's going to make me happy and what's going to make me satisfied in life. See, if we don't do that, all we're doing is keeping up with the Kardashians or the Joneses or whoever you. Some people don't know what they want until they see it on somebody else. That's why he writes in the Bible, thou shalt not covet. Why? That's just like you not wanting when uh, Pastor Shirley told her kids not to eat at everybody's house. And there was a family, and she said, roaches. I don't know if they had roaches or not, but she told them not to eat there. And she found out Tony ate something. Up there. Well, Tony go eat everywhere. She didn't know it at that time. Oh, he ate the Norwood's cornbread. And she had a fit. She thought, I told you don't go. Well, that's the way God feels about you wanting something that you see on somebody else. He don't want you eating the Norwood's roachy cornbread. But it's amazing how, now when you're a sinner, that's all you know. you got to see somebody else with it to want it. Amen. But when you're a child of God, you have, all, you have riches and glory stored up for you where God knows what you, what he, and, and you have inheritance down here on this earth. Now, if it's, if it's on your plate to inherit it from somebody or something like that, then that's yours, even though it's here in the natural. But do you not know that God can create something for you that is uniquely for you? I can tell you. When I was a sinner, I bought, uh, my, my husband bought our wedding rings. And his excuse was, you know how broke brothers is. You know, he, he was broke when I met him, but you know what I'm saying. He had potential. <laughs> which i made him live up to no i didn't i prayed for him but but you know what i'm saying they, they all broke to a degree or they tell you they broke spending it all on the other girlfriend but, but that's another whole nother but anyway you know what i'm talking about that kind of stuff but anyway uh, you know when we went to get our rings you know, I was really naive, and he said, well, he said, um, we need to get wedding bands. And I thought, I said, I should have an engagement ring. But, you know, I let that go by me. You know, broke brother, you think he's telling you the truth and all that. I know he had most of his money up somewhere where I didn't know nothing about it, couldn't get to it. But we was working on that. That was just the initial. You get in there five or six years, you can't be putting up with that no more. Just, just saying, okay? Just give it five years for the brother to recognize he, you know, got to fork it over, get used to it, and then just go for it. You understand? But anyway, he said, uh, he said, you know, he said, but we'll get our wedding bands. And I said, well, I want diamonds in it. I don't care. You know, give me some diamonds. So they went, <laughs> they found, you know what a 10-point diamond is? It's, it's, Pastor Shirley, let me see your ring. Now, her ring is clustered. And these are less than 10. Okay, but it's a lot. It's a carrot's worth in there. You understand what I'm saying? It's a whole carrot as you get a carrot money. 10 points is just a little bit bigger than what it is. Huh? So I have my 10 point, my 10 for three of them. That's what he could afford. He said, how much is them? A piece. Oh, come on. Come on now. 
<laughs> and the, the little jeweler, he was a nice guy. He said, I'll bring her out the best ones. I'll bring her out the best ones. She's a nice lady. You want the best for her. You know how they work. Here. So anyway, he brought me. And they were, they were beautiful. I used to get compliments on And they're in this ring now. God knew then what he wanted me to have. After we were married about 10 years, his mother passed away. And he remembered she had his grandmother's solitaire diamond set in her wedding ring and me being the only female standing I'm that's mine you know that's understood you know you don't know nobody else you ain't supposed to know nobody else but me female wise it's mine you know it fit perfectly in the middle of those three stones that I had set in there 10 years ago when we first got married fit perfectly in there didn't cost that sweat and <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Wonderful husband of mine. You know, when you have to have them reset, that's money. You know, that jeweler told me, he said, I was able to use the mount that was already in it. All I had to do was set it in there. You know, they solder it in there and stuff like that. It's been in there ever since. And so God, let me tell you, he had that laid up for me before I was born. You got me? He knew I'd marry his brother. You know what I'm saying? He know who you're going to get hooked up with. He said, well, I'm going to try, but I know I can't talk her out of this one, so she's going to marry him. So I'm going to lay up something for her. You understand? Well, he can work with it. You understand? The, the question is, can you live with it? It's not about what God can work with. It's about what you can live with. Huh? <laughs> so in using your faith, you can't faint, fatigue. Remember when Jesus was was raised from the dead, all the disciples, they were constantly telling the disciples, he's alive, I've seen him. He's, and, and Jesus even appeared to some of them. In one of the accounts of the Gospels after that, it says Peter, they, they had told Peter that Jesus was raised from the dead, and he didn't. They, but the next, next chapter it says, and Peter went fishing. And your lack of trust in God, don't go fishing and trying to keep up with the Kardashians. Huh? Or the Joneses or whoever you're trying to keep up with. See, what that shows is a lack of confidence in God, lack of relationship with God. Somebody who don't want to form a relationship with God because they think that everything that they are supposed to desire is down here on earth visible that you could see. How can God ever get to create anything new for us down here on earth if we don't use our faith to tap into his storehouse of the things that he has prepared for those that love him? See, when you love God, you expect very highly of him. You don't wonder what he thinks about you all the time and whether he's going to give you anything. And then you go fishing. Amen. Trying to keep up with the Kardashians and they trying to keep up with somebody else. Uh, You never get that. You never win that. So who are your Kardashians or your Joneses? They're the object of your focus when you fail to seek God. You fail to seek God and what you focus on becomes your Jones. Amen. Some you can't do without. They are also the object of your covetousness. They're what you get into sin for. That's why, you know, the Bible talks about you know, not not making a covenant with your eyes that you don't look upon certain things. 
Yeah, make up your mind. You're not going to look at it, not feed your mind. Because that's not how God speaks to you for what he has for you. Huh? Young people who are, are expecting to get married, start focusing on you being the kind of person that God wants you to be. And he'll start drawing the right people to you. Huh? He'll draw. You don't have to go looking for nobody. You don't have to have to have, have to have me somebody. You know, like you're craving people. That's the worst thing in the world to crave because you're not called to possess people. Huh? But they will possess you. You keep messing with some of them. Huh? Just a thought. See, that didn't get much encouragement for me, but I don't care. I'm, I'm saying it anyway. Huh? Because pretty much in here, everybody's craving something they shouldn't have. Huh? I like my meats, my sweets, my treats, Twinkies, etc. At least it ain't beer no more. Give a sister some credit where it's due. But these are things that make you stumble. And see, when you leave your faith, put your faith out of God, you got your faith right in the natural. And the devil will show you something to desire that he has no intention of you ever getting. And God will give you that and better if you keep your faith and your confidence in him. Amen. You know, when, when, when God gave me this, and, and the other thing, let me tell you this, the other thing about the ring story. I didn't finish that. I guess I thought I finished it, but he just reminded me of something else. When, when I got married, my husband told me this. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to get you no diamond for engagement ring. Could you imagine telling such a lie? And I believed it. I said, oh, well, he just doesn't know. Well, I didn't either. You know what I'm saying. He's carnal, stupid, you know, don't know what you're doing. This seems like the next step to do. That's the other thing. Don't make that kind of commitment as a next step. You can't think of nothing else to do with your life and you think that's the next thing to do. That ain't God either. But anyway, I started thinking about it after a while. I said, God, I should have an engagement ring. I said, I'm going to get me my ring. You know, out of him. <laughs> he was always the focus of my <laughs> whatever. But anyway, I didn't have nobody else to beat up on. But, you know, I said, I'm getting me my ring, God. I'm supposed to have an engagement ring. And, and so when it came up to 25th anniversary, I figured I waited long enough. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting notches on the, on the basement. You know, you got the cement blocks in the basement. I'd have put 25 notches. Man, I'm, I'm 20. 21, 22, 25, it's time. You know what I'm saying? That's how you do. That's how you use your faith in God. But anyway, <laughs> it's a rough life sometimes. But anyway, I told him, I said, I said, what are you going to get me for 25th? I said, I want a diamond solitaire. I said, I want a big one. Humongous. So big you can't get in the front door. I got to have an armor bearer to hand, put my hand up to get me into the... When I put it up on the desk, when I preach, it's like that. Huh? That's what I want. So anyway, he said, oh, okay. You know, okay, baby. That, yeah, we, we got you. We went to the jewelry store, and we were looking for it. And he's roaming around by himself. Every time I was trying to look for a ring, he over someplace else. In the bathroom, at the water cooler, anywhere else. So he's standing there leaning, and he leans against this 
display and it says win a diamond. Enter. So you get an entry blank. He stands there nervously, fills it out. You know a rascal won that diamond? He won that. that God did that for him. See, God will do it any kind of way. I know he would have ripped his hair. I blew his brains out if he had to pay for it. And I knew that. And I was looking for it. No, I wasn't. wasn't looking for it. But I was going to pray for him. As soon as he pulled the trigger, I was going to. But anyway, you know. So. Brothers get that crazy over spending money. But anyhow, he, God knew it was going to stress him out. So he gave it to him free. Amen. Gave it to him free. And just to show you God knows how to work with cheap brothers. When they appraised it, they they had an appraisal that had stood for several years. So they appraised it at a certain value and that's what you pay tax on when you win something and you know pay tax on it. So they he they taxed him on that lower appraised value. I had it appraised a year later it was three times worth Of course, now he's gone. I'm paying the insurance premium. You know, no, it's a joke, bad joke. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. But but God will give him the desires of his heart too, because you got to work him into your equation. Anybody God has to work into your faith equation, He will satisfy them as well. You got me. He won't stress somebody out just to please you. We're not we're not creating slaves down here. So God knew how to meet the brother at his level of faith <laughs> to keep it in his pocket. So your Joneses are the object of your covetousness. In fact, they get you in the sin. Your Joneses are the distraction that the devil places before you to keep you from receiving God's best. Huh? Keeps you from receiving God's best. It has to do with money. It has to do with jobs or things. Things that the world values. It pertains to the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. What you aspire to be. So that others can think that you're important. That's pride of life. It has nothing to do with God's value on your life. Nothing whatsoever to do with that. People can have both of them working at the same time. You can find people who are, are faithful to God and do what they, but this, that's in one compartment, and then the pride of life puts them over into another compartment. You have to fight those things. You have to really pull yourself down from that, from letting your flesh enjoy that who people think you are. Now, dear Joneses become the personification of what you crave. That's why I call, it's called a Jones, because you crave it and you can never get enough of it. See, I got enough diamonds. You understand what I'm saying? I got enough. I got three nieces that I know are raised in the Lord. Huh? I got others, but I don't know that they've been raised in the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? And I got diamonds for each one of them. So they won't have to go through the cheap brother syndrome. Bob, I got that all taken care of for you. Don't have, you understand what I'm saying? And so God has made provision even later for them for the things that they desire. This generation likes stuff. And because they're in a, in a world where a lot of stuff is made visible to them. You understand what I'm saying? And so we don't want them to be outcasts in their own generation. There are certain things that God will bless them with so that they can have a comfortable life. 
you know, a life without shame and embarrassment and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't want that for anybody. And they can get used to finer things. You understand what I'm saying? So that they're not craving them. And they know that those things are are within their possession. So God wants, though, for us to live by faith, not by sight. Amen. You know, renounce the Joneses. Let them have their stuff and do what they do. But you've got to know that your father has something uniquely designed for you laid up in heaven. Whether it's material things, whether it's the person that you will be married to, uh, all of that stuff is already planned and laid up for you. Trust him that he has it for you. And then start asking him to release those things to you. Amen? All right. Praise God. Father in heaven, we thank you for what you're doing in us and for us and helping us, blessing us, keeping us. You're keeping us to yourself, Lord, and that's the best place we can be. We have health, life, protection, strength. Everything that we need is in God. And I thank you, Lord, for helping me to understand you as my heavenly father. And so that I can live a worry-free life, I can have a stress-free life, I can have a life of peace, comfort, and ease. And I bless your people with that, that they would live a stress-free life full of peace, comfort, and ease, drawing from you by using their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you.